Our scripture today is from Luke 6, 27 through 36. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is the kind to ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want you to think about the last time someone made you mad. You have to think about it very hard. Doesn't even have to be big mad. Just the last time you had a reaction to something or someone, something they said or did, a moment of frustration or anger or irritation. For me, it probably happened over email. I see so few people these days. It's really good to see you all here this morning. Think about that moment, and, and what was your instinct in that moment? What did you want to do or say in return? Unless you are a whole lot holier kind of person than I am, I'm guessing your first instinct was not very charitable. Maybe you thought of a little something snarky to say, or some strong words, or maybe you even wanted to inflict some kind of pain on the other person. Now, I'm not saying you said or did any of those things, but you thought them. You had a moment when you wanted to yell or berate or even shove. All that feels pretty normal, pretty human to me. So normal, so human, actually, that that instinct to fight back starts for us very, very young, doesn't it? Perhaps you or someone you know has seen this in kids. They have, sometimes they go through a season where their primary way to cope with not getting what they want is to lash out with physical violence. Consider this post that I found on a discussion website called Baby Center. Someone wrote, my son is just about 18 months old. He's the sweetest, most lovable little boy until he is around kids his own age. And then he hits and bites and tackles everything. He's around older children most of his day and he's fine with them, but when any child is his size that's near him, he just finds the need to maul them. We feel like we can't bring him anywhere because we feel so terrible that he does this. We've tried everything. We've given time out. We've given attention to the child got hurt, but nothing seems to work. I like to think he's going to grow out of it, but then I read some of these posts where it's happening with older children and I get worried all over again. I just don't want to get to the point where people don't want my son around their children because I know how amazing he is and I feel bad. 
And then you read through and there are dozens and dozens of exasperated parents putting up similar posts, looking for help and solace and solidarity and suggestions. And a lot of these parents had tried all the expert advice and still had kids that were acting aggressively toward their peers. Do you have sympathy for them? There were one or two posters who said what you might be thinking, which is just spank them. And that is a one way to handle the problem, but most of the conversation thankfully centered around intervention, not meeting aggressive behavior with more aggressive behavior. You know, generally speaking, we don't want kids to hit each other. It's not a universal truth, perhaps, but it's pretty close. And we know that violence among kids can linger, sometimes into high school, but I suspect we can agree that things go better for all kids when no one is hitting each other. And parents, that's why they try to intervene with toddlers who are hitting or biting other kids, because we don't want our kids to learn that aggression is the way to handle conflict or hard situations. If kids learn that, that hitting and biting and intimidating others is a way to get what they want and need, then what happens to those kids? They grow up to be bullies. And we don't want our kids to be bullies. So we teach them not to hit. We want them to learn that aggression is not a productive way to handle conflict. At what age does that stop being true? That aggression is not a productive way to handle conflict. This is actually the main point that Jesus is making in his difficult teaching that we have in our scripture for today. We're here in week two of our series, The Good Life, where we can take a closer look at Jesus' teaching in Luke called the Sermon on the Plain. And I have to confess that I told the tech team when they were making the slide for this um, series, I said, just pick kind of an iconic Nebraska, you know, scene. Uh, because the good life is the sort of state motto of Nebraska. And then I saw this and I thought, what is that? <laughs> so Patrick, I still have some things to learn about Nebraska. It's Chimney Rock. I now know <laughs> it's Chimney Rock. Matt and I haven't been there. Matt, we got to put it on the list. <laughs> we got to go to Chimney Rock so that we've seen the iconic. Okay, anyway, <laughs> thank you for that tech team. <laughs> uh, but we're here in the second week of the series that we're doing here in Lent called The Good Life, where we're taking a close look at Jesus' teaching in Luke, which we call the Sermon on the Plain. And we can think of the subtitle to this whole section of scripture as something like Life with Jesus 101, or The Primary Ways to Act as a Disciple in the World, or maybe This is How You Draw Near to the Kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, if you want to live daily in the light of God's peace and joy, this is the pathway to get there. Unfortunately, what Jesus lays out for us is not easy at all. It's a high standard to which he's calling us. This is not a list of teachings we can just chalk up to common sense. Rather, much of it runs counter to the way the whole world operates. Remember that list of blessings and woes from last week? Blessed are the hungry, woe to you who are full now. Blessed are the poor, Woe to you who are rich. Jesus is asking us, his followers, to live uncommon lives. Which sounds hard. But here's the thing to keep in mind as we read this teaching and any other. And Christy, you mentioned this in the children's time. I was so happy to hear you say that. That when Jesus asks us to do something, he also gives us the grace to do it. We don't accomplish this or any kind of righteousness just on our own, okay? 
right? We don't accomplish this or any kind of righteousness on our own. Scripture makes this clear. Our righteousness is not our own doing. It's the love and grace of God that works within us through faith that allows us to live righteously. Jesus has saved us, not just for eternity, but also to transform our lives here and now. So his love works inside of us and allows us to do things we never thought were possible right here in our own lives. And today's scripture is a prime example of this. So we read this stuff in the Sermon on the Plain, and it's not that we ask ourselves, oh gosh, I gotta try harder, or how can I make myself do this? It's not a matter of us trying harder. Instead, we ask, God, how can you accomplish this through me? Or we pray, God, make this real in my life. I'm not strong enough to do it on my own. So that's the lens with which we approach this. With that in mind, listen again to what Jesus asks. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. Anyone takes away your coat, don't withhold your shirt. Give to anyone who begs from you. If someone takes away your stuff, don't ask for it again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And then he says again, love your enemies. Do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. It's a lot, isn't it? I mean, it's hard enough to just not fire back that terse and pointed email when we get one that frustrates us. But Jesus seems to be asking even more. Someone steals your coat, give them your shirt. Someone takes your stuff, don't ask for it back. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's a, it's a tall order as we move through the day. And because these teachings are hard to swallow, they've been ridiculed as much as followed throughout time. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. That's been called weak and impractical and unrealistic and even hyperbole. I mean, Jesus couldn't have meant that we actually live that way in the real world, right? If someone hurts us, we're supposed to just turn aside and not retaliate, not fight back? He must not understand what a dangerous world we live in. Don't resist your enemies, but love them, pray for them? He couldn't have really suggested that Responding to violence with love is the way we're supposed to live. Could he? This teaching could not have been easy for his first audience to hear, and it isn't easy for us. For Jesus to suggest that aggressive behavior is not the way to deal with conflict is is a direct challenge to the world we live in. But it is what he's saying. Now we have to decide whether we think this is for all times and all cases, or if it's a proverb that we decide when to apply it. But it's making clear, Jesus is making clear that seeking revenge is not a part of being a follower of Christ. But you might be saying, now Amy, I have read the Old Testament, and I'm glad you have. And it says, an eye for an eye. It says that. That's true. It says that. It does. And it meant it as a punishment in court so that someone couldn't be convicted of something or have the punishment be worse than the crime when they were convicted, right? An eye for an eye, it's a way to keep justice fair. 
so the people were not punished greater than the harm they caused. So, for instance, you accidentally kill someone's donkey. Too bad. You're going to lose a donkey. You're not going to also lose all your sheep and your goats. Okay? An eye for an eye, a donkey for a donkey. But Jesus, he had in mind a different kind of justice. Jesus was thinking about the kind of justice that's left to the hands of God and not enacted by us. I bet Jesus had something a little closer in mind to what Gandhi so eloquently once said, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Jesus is asking us, his followers, instead to not hit back or not retaliate even when someone has done us wrong. Asks us to offer the other cheek. And he's actually echoing a lot of places in scripture that repeats this idea that judgment and punishment, when we want to give them, that they're actually God's business, not ours. We don't seek revenge because vengeance is the work of God. Let me just show you a few places where we see this in the Bible. First of all, Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 32, 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip because the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. Or Psalm 94. O Lord, you God of vengeance, you God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Give to the proud what they deserve. Or how about from the New Testament, Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Revenge belongs to God. It's not ours to seek the retaliation. And Jesus wants to make sure that we don't go around trying to get payback for all the people that hurt us, so he asks us to go even one step further and do acts of love and kindness, even to those who have taken from us or who seek to hurt us. Now, as we're talking about all this, I feel like I have to make a confession to you. I have never actually punched someone in the face. I've never done that. Some of you have a lot more experience with that than I do. And I'm not going to name names or point fingers, but I, some of you know how well or that does or doesn't work in trying to solve a problem. I've never gotten into a physical fight with the person with whom I was mad. I wrestled with my brother plenty, but he's two years older and a lot taller than I am, and so I never won, never. I have, though, had plenty of verbal and emotional fights in my life with people. And I can say that they never really work out in the way that I would want. Usually they end up with everyone matter and nothing resolved. But I also want to be clear today that I don't consider myself a pacifist. Though our verses for today have been used as a major plank in the argument for Christian pacifism through time. But I don't believe these scriptures have to be read in such a way that it says that Christian people should never, under any circumstances, defend themselves. I don't, I'm not sure that's what Jesus is saying. I think there are plenty of times we do need to defend ourselves as individuals, as communities, and a, as a country. And I know that many of you here at St. Paul's have dedicated a large part of your lives to defending this country. And for that, I and we are grateful. But allowing for the fact that there are some times and places where we must defend ourselves, I don't think that means that we need to react with aggression or seek payback whenever we feel hurt or injured. You get a sense of the difference there? 
Just because we have the right to defend and protect ourselves doesn't mean we have to respond always to violence with violence, that we have to hurt others in the measure that we've been hurt. Unfortunately, there's not a cut and dried way to determine the difference. It takes careful consideration and prayer, deep wisdom to know the difference between those things. When is it an act of self-defense and when is it revenge purely to, to hurt or get payback for a way we've been hurt? That's a really big question and it's worth mulling around this week, especially as we continue to hear news about war and violence around the world, especially as we think about our troops serving in conflict zones, especially as we listen to politicians talk about how to deal with foreign adversaries like Iran or Saudi Arabia. But you and I are not gonna have to make decisions about troop deployment this week, so I wanna go from global questions back down to local ones, to our own lives. And remind us that Jesus' challenge about not seeking revenge, it's as personal as it could be. I mean, think back over your last week. Where are the places that you were tempted to seek revenge, to hit back, to make someone suffer when you had suffered? When did you have the opportunity to turn the other cheek and you wanted to do anything but that? Maybe you find yourself engaged in some kind of scorekeeping with your spouse. Or maybe this happens among your kids. If they get their way three times, then you need to get your way three times, or maybe even four times, just to be fair. If they've won an argument or done something you dislike, it's your turn to pay them back in kind. No way you want to turn the other cheek and just let them have their way. Or maybe you have a coworker or a friend that's been making your life a little difficult. How much energy have you spent trying to come up with ways to cause them just a little bit of pain, just to make their job or their life a little harder, maybe cause them a little embarrassment, maybe let them flounder or let them feel alone? No way you want to turn the other cheek and help them out when they've been so insensitive to you. Or maybe it's happened in an encounter with a perfect stranger. This happens to me when I'm riding my bicycle, not infrequently. Every once in a while, someone in a car will hassle me, right? Either they pass a little too close, or they cut sharply in front of me, or sometimes they just roll down their window and yell at me something like, get off the road. And you know what my instinct is pretty much every time? I get mad and I want revenge. I feel threatened in those moments because that car is a lot bigger than my bicycle and I want to throw something at them. Or I want to pedal really fast so I can catch them at the next stoplight and knock on their window and lecture them about the laws regarding bicycles and cars. <laughs> no way I want to turn the other cheek and just let their aggression go. I'd much rather hit back in some way. Lucky for me, I'm never able to pedal fast enough to get up to their car and deliver my well-thought-out lecture. It's a challenge. It's a challenge for us to turn the other cheek, to love our enemies. It's a challenge for us in our daily interactions to not want to seek a little revenge or respond to aggression with more aggression. So what do we do in those situations? Well, what do we do with kids who hit other kids? First thing, we check to see, are they hungry, are they overly tired, or are they overly stimulated? And I think that's a good start for adults, too. If you find yourself plotting revenge or wanting to make someone else suffer, check yourself. Are you hungry? 
Are you overly tired? Are you overly stimulated? Take care of those things first before you send that email or make that phone call, before you have that conversation with your spouse and say something that you might regret. If a snack won't solve the problem, which it usually does, but if it doesn't, parenting experts suggest encouraging your child to use his or her words. Right, to communicate what they need and want rather than just grabbing for or hitting another child. Teaching a toddler to say no or I don't like that is a way to help them have a tool to solve the problem without being violent. And again, it's pretty good advice for adults. So check yourself. If you're angry enough to hit someone, have you openly communicated and honestly communicated without attacking what it is that you need? If increased communication doesn't stop the aggressive behavior, parenting guides say just remove your child from the situation. Get them out of there because continued hitting or punching or throwing is not gonna help anybody. Give your child a safe space to calm down. And when they're able to re-enter that other space calmly, they'll let them do so. Does that work for us? I think it might. I mean, our job as adults is to be in control of ourselves. And if we are around somebody who, someone who consistently provokes us to behave in a way contrary to the disciples of Jesus, we're better off just creating space between them and us until we can find space to have that reservoir of love for them again. Turn the other cheek. It's going to take the grace of God for us to live this out. We're going to be tested this week. I don't even need to give you a challenge about it. Life is going to give you a challenge enough about it. My prayer in those moments is that we would turn first to the love of God, asking for a sense of calm and perspective and grace, and that God would grant us the strength to respond in uncommon ways and find the joy of living out this teaching of Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen.